The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. Today, our guest is George Cole Reeser. He is an organizational and clinical psychologist. He's also a police psychologist. He's a professor at the International Institute for Management Development in Lausanne, Switzerland, and he's the author of an award-winning book, Hostage at the Table, How Leaders Can Overcome Conflict, Influence Others, and Raise Performance. George, welcome to the show. Thank you, Cheryl, and good morning. Good morning, and good evening to you. I understand you are in Switzerland today. That is correct, in Basel, Switzerland. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. So so tell us, is it it's evening, right? It's about 9 o'clock at night or something? It's uh, 9 o'clock at night and snowing outside. Oh, snowing! Oh, <laughs> wow. So you spend part of your time in Switzerland and, and the rest of your time traveling around the world, huh? Uh, I'm working here in Switzerland, but also in the States. As a matter of fact, I'm going to the States tomorrow. Uh, also in Asia, so uh, quite a few different uh, areas that I'm working in. So the title of your book, Hostage at the Table, um, you know, was initially piqued my interest because I thought, well, what do you mean, hostage at the table? And, of course, in this time in our society where the term hostage is uh, more frequent than not, um, it, it, you know, it makes it wonder, well, what has that got to do with leadership in conflict? And so I was curious and had the opportunity to hear you speak in Prague in October, which was just fabulous at the leadership conference we were both presenting at. And you talked a lot about um, how the role of leadership in conflict and influence and I want to talk about that in a minute. But first, tell us a little bit about your background, George. I've read that you've actually been taken hostage four times in your life. So how did you get from there to here? Well, it's uh, an interesting story. I was actually coming out of graduate school in Dayton, Ohio, and was invited to join a domestic violence intervention program with the police. And this led to eventually being a part of and helping select hostage negotiation team members. And while I was working in the area of clinical psychology, it was uh, clear that in domestic violence situations, preventing homicides could really be uh, done by getting interventions early enough and at a certain point, hostage-taking became kind of fashionable in the late 60s and early 70s. And what I came to realize was that 
hostage negotiation is a powerful, powerful leadership process. Now, in working with the police, I did not ever exchange myself uh, for hostages, but there were certain situations where, in fact, we couldn't necessarily predict when somebody would pull a surprise weapon and so forth. So uh, I've been involved in many, many hostage negotiations and four times been held hostage myself. To understand that leadership is a form of influencing and persuasion is really what lessons I pulled out of that. And my goal now is to take what hostage negotiators do and help leaders learn how to do that same thing. So what what were those situations where you were actually held hostage and what was it what was it like for you in you know, there must have been a, a plethora of emotions as well as your intellect working over time what was that like Well the most uh difficult one was in a hospital emergency room and the others were in two in, in homes and, and one in an office building. It was quite shocking because the first time I was surprised at the level of disengagement of the hostage taker. And I was uh, asked by the lieutenant to go into a room where a, a psychotic man held a nurse hostage. And after about 10 seconds or so of entering the room, he continued to escalate really, really uh, in a strong way. And with a knife at uh, uh, her throat, Sheila's throat, he suddenly cut her throat. And my reaction was quite strong emotionally because here I was not only responsible for helping protect her but also myself. And then he came over and across the room and approached me and put the knife to my throat. And, in fact, this was quite a a moment of being able to create in hostage-taking what we call that bonding process because he was looking at me with with this knife at my throat, and we were engaged in in an exchange in which I had to help him see that there was another option. And he eventually gave up. uh, Sheila left her go out, eventually gave up the scissors and and knife that he had and... and, uh, uh, allowed me to handcuff him and walk out of the room, and the whole basis was him understanding that he did not have to commit suicide, that he did not have to kill us in order to get revenge with his family and his children. And ultimately, the question was, how do you want your children to remember you? And he eventually um, surrendered, even though he had a very, very severe wound. We had to get him to the another part of the hospital. And the point for leadership, Cheryl, is this, that you need to create a bond with somebody and through that bond engage in a dialogue to help them give up their hostages, give up their weapons, come out knowing they're probably going to go to prison. And the success rate of hostage negotiators is about 95%. Now, that's quite, quite an extraordinary statistic. The point is this. Many leaders are hostages when nobody has a gun to their head. So you do not have to have a weapon to feel like a hostage. And my mission is to help leaders become impactful, high-performing leaders, engaging, inspiring people, and not be held hostage to 
a boss, a client, a situation, or in personal life to families, friends, neighbors, and so forth. Well, that's pretty interesting. You know, um, when you said that the question um, ultimately with that man in the emergency room was, is this the way you want your children to remember you? It sounds like um, really being able to see that person from your perspective, to see that whole person and what matters to that person is vital to the bonding process. Absolutely. I think that when you're involved in that kind of situation, understanding what is driving that behavior, and it's always lost. Cheryl, there's no hostage situation that I've seen where there isn't some loss or grief that's behind it. In this case, he was uh, under court order not to go to his home and see his children. He did, in fact, love his children. And he was so enraged that he then got into a big escalation with his uh, ex-wife, and they called the police, and he ended up in the emergency room after she stabbed him. The whole point is, how can I hear or how can anybody as a leader understand what is the pain that's driving people to do destructive or negative behavior? And once you can tap into that, then you start helping them see what a benefit would be. And this is why hostage negotiation is actually such an incredible art and science, is that it is a leadership process of being able to, as quickly as possible, assess what that is and help find a solution to someone who's in a desperate uh, uh, process. Well, and as you say, the um, though in the workplace there may not be... Um, hopefully, uh, as many hostage situations as, as uh, you may have encountered in your life, um, there are uh, virtual hostage situations where people feel like they're cornered, where they feel like they are um, being um, held to the, to the wall um, without choices. And um, it, it sounds like that for leaders, having a sense of being able, as you say, to quickly assess what's really going on, whether it's in team conflict or an individual whose um, anger is escalating because they've been taken off of a job or lost an account or whatever whatever it is, um, that the leader's capacity to assess psychologically what's going on could be important. It's... I think not only important but essential that the emotional intelligence of a leader allows them to understand emotions in other people. Behavioral economics is a powerful theory and actually won the Nobel Economics Prize for understanding that loss is the most important motivator there is for most people, not all people, but the majority of people are driven by the fear of loss or the anticipation of loss. And so leaders must understand that demotivated behavior, destructive behavior, whatever's going on that is producing a negative process is because people are not really playing to win. They're somehow avoiding the possibility of pain. Mm -hmm. And once a leader can be empathetic to 
the pain, the frustration, the jealousy, the disappointment, whatever that negative emotion is, you then can create that emotional bond and link, and then through that, engage in a process of moving towards a benefit. It's it's a high-performing behavior process in which you help somebody look beyond the pain to what a benefit is. And leaders often make this mistake of being so positive they forget to look for where the pain is. And you can't just say to somebody, well, be more inspired, be, be more positive, until you know what they are grieving about, what the loss is that's driving the negative behavior. Oh, it makes so much sense. And yet in our workplaces today, um, largely because of legal issues and, and political correctness issues, um, I often see people, whether they're in leadership roles or not, do not um, probe, do not ask questions, do not look closely at what may be going on with someone for fear of getting involved or, or, or re- revealing something that is too personal. It's a sad story because we've become so dehumanized in our organizational systems that that it allows then for people to feel depersonalized and and uncared about. I I, I just can't say strongly enough, and I know that you know this, Cheryl, and, and probably most of your listeners, but the most fundamental characteristic of a high-performing, highly effective leader is the ability for the followers to feel that they do care about them. And if you cannot communicate that caring, then you're not going to be a secure base where you're going to build the trust that allows the best to come out of people. And we know that the brain is basically driven to survive and that when people feel danger or defensive, they're not looking for how to thrive, but they're looking only for how to survive. And the recent study released in the United States shows that over 50% of people are not happy in their jobs. They're disinterested in their jobs. They don't feel challenged. And the Gallup studies show that as many as uh, 88% in Europe, some countries in Europe like Germany and, and France, are disengaged in their job. And in the United States, it's almost uh, 70% who describe themselves as disengaged in their job. In every one of those cases, the, the line of source of this problem is a, is a boss who does not demonstrate the ability to create any correct emotional bond and a sense that I do care about my employees. Hmm. Well, you know, I think that if we could teach Caring 101. <laughs> I think you should do that, George. Teach Caring 101 as part of the MBA programs all around the world, and um, we may have less problems. But then, of course, we'd have to teach Caring 101 in parenting classes um, that needed to start long before people become parents. Um, you know, I, I find it very interesting that um, as youth become more and more um, disenfranchised in our world, um, that the workplace becomes some place where um, people don't feel safe. And if, in fact, the part of one of the variables of feeling safe or feeling secure is feeling cared about, 
um, it seems like we're somehow not paying attention to that long before people get to the workplace. Well, I think this failure to develop emotional intelligence starts in the family. It goes uh, right on into the schools, comes right on into people's lives as they grow older. And if they have learned it, then it is a positive thing that helps them in all relations, personal and professional. And the good news is that people can learn it, even if they haven't learned it as a child. It can be learned at different points in your life. And we know that being a good leader in some way parallels being a good parent. And uh, if you're not a parent yet or have not been a parent, any experience in your life where you've been able to show caring towards another human being is a good preparation for being a leader. Now, much more is needed in being a highly effective leader, but that is a foundation. I think we all know examples of leaders who are cold, detached, disconnected, and they cannot create an emotional bond. And the same way as in a hostage situation, the fundamental tool that a hostage negotiator uses is to create that emotional bond with the hostage taker, even if you don't like him, because there is a common goal that you find, and through that emotional bond, you persuade the person to give up their weapons, come out knowing they're probably going to go to prison 95% of the time. Many, many leaders do not know how to create an emotional bond with other people, colleagues, with followers, and so forth. Well, that... That gives me lots of questions to ask you, and we'll do more of that when we come back right after this break. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. As a new era approaches December 2012, Evolution invites you to expand awareness now to become the magnificent creator you forgot you are. Explore beyond current sensory perceptions with host Doreen Agostino to align body, mind, spirit, and unleash inner wealth. Discover and apply universal success principles to consciously and deliberately create your life. To align with inner truth, shine light of new thought, and joyfully prosper. Tune in Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 
Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about this show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. Never be satisfied. Let that be a lesson you take away from Double Time with Double D, featuring businessman and former NFL star Dave Duerson. We'll talk about the NFL with special focuses on the game itself, and Double D will take your calls and answer your emails live on the show. It's not Football 101, but rather an in-depth look in the locker room, on the field, away from the field, and opening up the mind of the player. The program will also feature positive messages. So tune in to Double Time with Double D, Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back to Leading Conversations. We're speaking with George Colreaser today. He is an organizational and clinical psychologist, and he's author of Hostage at the Table, How Leaders Can Overcome Conflict, Influence Others, and Raise Performance. So, George, you talk a lot about um, how to effectively deal with conflict as it arises in organizations and outside of organizations. And you have some essentials that you say are skills that are just vital for leaders and anybody in organizations to develop. Can we talk about those? Absolutely. I think to be effective as a leader, you must make peace with the ability to deal with conflict and be able to use the, the skills that we know are essential for being able to resolve conflicts. There's nothing more destructive than hidden conflicts or open conflicts that produce such toxic environments sometimes. The first before, those, before you get yeah. into this, yeah. the six essential skills, let me ask this real fundamental question. Why do we avoid conflict so much? Why has it taken on this whole... Um, element of we can't have it. It's not okay. Yeah. That's a great question, and I think the real reason lies in the brain. The fact that the brain is primarily trying to help us survive, and if we get into conflicts, we somehow in this primal level fear that uh, we may be rejected, we may be attacked, we may be disliked, all of those things that go against the fundamental social bonding. So people who are good at conflict management, they have had their brain wired to be able to see that conflict is fundamentally a positive thing. And uh, that starts with parents, teachers, and again, anywhere along the line, people can learn that 
conflict resolution in relationships is the only way to avoid violence or be able to avoid victimization where you feel like a hostage and you lose power over getting what you want. Mm. Mm. That makes sense. So talk about these skills that we need to learn. Well, the first of those is how to create a bond with an enemy, how to uh, be able to reach out and create a bridge to someone that is an adversary or someone you don't like. Bonding is the fundamental process. You don't have to like someone. Mm-hmm. It helps, but you must find some common goal. Through that emotional connecting, you then start a dialogue and a negotiation about what it is they want, what you want, and from the, the dialogue and negotiation, you move into putting whatever issues are out there on the table. I use the expression, put the fish on the table, because <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a powerful metaphor. Because if you've got a conflict and you keep it under the table, it's going to start smelling. Mm. It's a toxic fish, a, a mm-hmm. smelly fish. But mm-hmm. if you put that fish on the table and you go through the bloody mess of cleaning it, which sometimes conflict resolution involves, you then get the benefit. And the benefit is that great fish dinner at the end of the day. So good leaders have to be able to recognize where there are hidden conflicts or where the conflicts are openly there, Mm -hmm. put those issues in a transparent way out in the open to start finding some resolution. And then that means leads to the fourth characteristic or, or skill, which is how to understand the causes of conflict. And the causes of conflict can be many, but you can essentially re- reduce them down to broken bonding or losses of self-esteem, losses of interest, goals that differ. There, there are many, many different causes. It's not so complicated if you understand that below all conflict is this broken or disrupted bonding. Because you can have a difference. You can have lots of differences. But if you keep the bond with that person, you don't truly have a conflict. And then there is the ability to understand the law of reciprocity uh, as the fifth skill, which means what I put out is what I get back. Mm. And good conflict resolution means I start making concessions. I respond to concession making in order to build a positive relationship, and that's the the sixth skill. How do I, in a preventative way, build positive relationships, or when it's been broken, how can I rebuild what has been disrupted? So let's go back to the first step. If I create and maintain a bond, if I want to do that, then that must require something of me as a leader or even as a colleague, where I have to have a keen sense of awareness or a capacity to really see that person. Not, that's correct. Not only see the person, but be interested in that person. So that when you're creating that bond, it means that we have to have some common goal, some common interest, some way to connect or link. You know, one of the great stories that happened recently that President Obama discovered was how powerful the word stupidity can be. Oh, yes. When the police officer 
in Boston or in Cambridge, and the professor got into this horrendous exchange in which the professor was arrested. You remember that story? I do remember. And he was in his own home, came out. Well, this turned into a huge front-page story in which... Uh, Obama, President Obama, eventually called the police officer and said, look, how can we solve this, reaching out? And the police officer sort of jokingly said, well, invite me to the White House for a beer. Mm-hmm. Concession, uh, Obama made a concession and invites them. Mm-hmm. So the two of them there, one half hour, and at the end they shake hands, agreeing to disagree. And since that time... They have continued a dialogue, and I understand they've actually become personal friends through that incident, that destructive incident. Now, the point is this. President Obama learned quickly the power of stupidity, using that word stupidity. But he then went on to correct the process and help build that bridge. In fact, uh, there was a lot of discussion, having trained police officers for years and years, under normal circumstances, somebody's in their own home, you back off and you say, okay, uh, you're in your own home, let's let this be. But it spun out of control and escalated in in an unnecessary way. The whole point is, how do you you keep from breaking that bond originally, and once it's broken, how do you rebuild it? And these skills, by the way, are learned. They're talents. And they, you can learn them in a family, you can learn them in school, you can learn them on the job. They can be learned at any point in life. But if you don't learn those skills, then you're either going to be very conflict-avoidant, always allowing yourself to be stepped on or pushed around, or you're going to be too confrontational in which you provoke unnecessarily uh, conflicts by being a bully. you got two sides, the, the victim on one side who plays the helpless hostage, and then the other, you have the other side, the persecutory process in which people take other people hostage. Right. Even without so, a weapon. <laughs> even without a weapon, exactly, exactly. So the next piece you said was establish a dialogue and negotiate, and you talk about um, barriers to good dialogue. Tell us more about that. Oh, Mamma mia, Cheryl, this is so critical for leaders. How many leaders don't answer questions? They talk too much. They uh, are too abstract in the way they speak. Good dialogue means that I engage the other person in a direct way, that we go deeper in understanding each other or in solving a problem. We think together. But when you have somebody who won't answer a question, they give too many details. You ask them what time it is, and they tell you how to make a watch. You (laughs) see, the bond gets broken. And what we know is that short-term memory can handle about seven items. That's why we basically in phone phone numbers around the world, we have seven numbers. And, And by the way, it's not only true in the States, but it's around the world in general. The research recently has demonstrated we probably can only handle four items in short-term memory. So we teach executives, and and I lead the High Performance Leadership Program at the IMD in Lausanne, uh, and in all my programs, we're teaching leaders how to speak in four sentences or less. If you can't say it in four sentences or less, 
you have to train yourself how to focus to be able to do that because these long expressions, uh, people can't remember really what's there. And in good dialogue, it's back and forth, back and forth in a very direct way and energized so that you are moving towards finding a greater truth together. So that is quite a skill to be able to speak in four sentences. I don't think I've ever heard it quite put that way. Yeah. Well, now this is different than presentation, but say you and I are in a conflict resolution process or we're in a problem-solving process. We want to get something solved here quickly. Then we we train ourselves to speak in a more direct way. How many people sit through meetings that are too long? They come out exhausted. They come out saying, what was this all about? If you really introduce conflict or introduce good processes of dialogue, you can reduce meeting time by as, as much as 70 or 80 percent. I mean, how much time is taken away in meetings just because people talk around the wrong subject, they don't answer right. questions, they over-detail, uh, and, and so the focus is lost in the dialogue. And they don't even talk about that fish under the table. And they don't, get to, <laughs> they don't even get to the fish, which is even worse, uh, right. worse than ever. Right. Well, you no, when, you about... watch re- when you watch really skilled leaders, Cheryl, you'll see that they have a directness in how they communicate. They're clear in how they ask questions. And by the way, that's one of the most powerful tools hostage negotiators use is asking questions because mm-hmm. that directs how the mind's eye goes. And many leaders talk too much. They would be far better off asking more direct, clear questions than trying to tell people what to do. The art of asking questions, you know, that is something that I believe we could have um, an entire discourse on the art of asking questions. How did we lose our capacity for that? When did we become a society where knowing the answer was more important than asking the questions? Whoa, that's a very powerful question. Where did it start? I think that to a large extent we have to look at modeling mirror neurons and how over time we have begun to see that we would rather be advocates for something than to be part of a process of discovery. Hmm. So whenever a leader maintains curiosity i want to know what you think i want to know why you are doing this i want to understand this idea or why you object to something when somebody attacks you the first thing most people do is attack back but the thing to do is ask a question understand why that's there and if you haven't had good modeling in how to do that then you're left to your own survival skills, which is either to defend or attack. Mm. And asking the right focus question becomes a key. When Sam was holding me hostage, I didn't tell him, take the gun down. Mm. I didn't try to tell him, or the, 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 the uh, weapon. I asked him, Sam, what do you hope to accomplish by this question? Mm. Sam, how do you want your children to remember you? I know you, that you love them. Do you want them to remember you as a murderer, someone who commits suicide? 
Sam, how can we solve this problem? Sam, how can we get Sheila out of this room? She's bleeding. She needs treatment. She's a, a mother. You're a father. How can we get her out of here? Uh, Sam, you need treatment. Do you want to die? Uh, all see question after question after question. That's how you get a mindset change. Mm-hmm. Unless you're a secure base and you have that positive trust, then you can uh, get mindset changes by coaching or advising. But without trust, the best way is by asking questions to get the person to focus on what the benefit is of doing something. Mm-hmm. Well, so now that makes um, for an interesting conundrum because. If, in fact, people have short attention spans and can't retain information, very much information at once, for a leader, how do I get my message across, appear that I care about people and interested in what they have to say, utilizing questions, how do I do all of that um, efficiently and effectively? One word. Authenticity. Mm. Am I real? Can I come across in an authentic, clear way? So it's not that you practice these skills as little techniques. You know, I I get very upset when I Mm. hear all the ways that manipulation is taught. In the end, good negotiation, good influencing is coming from an authentic place. And I think leaders can do many, many things if they come from a caring, authentic way. But if they don't have that foundation, what they do always feels like some kind of trickery or some kind of uh, dishonesty. So it is a kind of wiring in, in the brain that you can develop by having good models. I, I think we, we simply have to go back and look at who are the good models that we can model after in terms of leadership and and good leadership behavior. And for years, leadership was taught by, well, here's a set of traits that great leaders seem to have. Now go and do those. It's not quite that simple. You have to be able to make those uh, authentic. You have to use your personality, your life experiences to come together so that when you speak or you interact, you invite people to follow you because they trust you. They want to follow you. They see some benefit that comes by doing that. And we have far too many managers who are not engaged in making people feel good about themselves or about their work. And good leaders, they can deliver pain. I mean, it, it's, it's the ability to give feedback, to say the truth, deliver pain, and have people say, thank you, give me more pain. <laughs> Not because they like the pain, but because they see the benefit. Sure. Just like in a hostage situation, giving up weapons, giving up hostages, coming out knowing you're going to go to prison, you have to have a benefit that's greater than that pain. And that's what many leaders are not effective at doing. Well, we're going to talk more about this with George Cole Reeser when we come right back.
whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Do you feel the need for speed? Whatever your addiction, NASCAR, IndyCar, NHRA, Formula One, Grand Am, or even Lava Racing, Pit Pass USA has got you covered. Larry Henry here, the host of Pit Pass USA. I put my 30 plus years of being a motorsports broadcaster around the world to work each week to bring you not only the best guests, but also the most interesting guests in racing, while also never forgetting the local weekend warriors. Pit Pass USA with Larry Henry, your front row seat for the world of racing. Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Power Up Channel. Be there or get a DNF. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Stop wasting time. Get what you want. Live your dream life. The dream big revolution. Imagine having more freedom, better health, more money, happiness. Could your business be more successful? Unless you're living the life you want, you're wasting precious time. Your life is too valuable to waste. Let Leanne Hilgers help you find health, wealth, and happiness. Listen in and live your dream life. Join the dream big revolution. Tune in every Tuesday at noon Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific time, on the 7th Wave Network. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. And welcome back. This is Cheryl Esposito. We're speaking with George Cole Reeser today, author of Hostage at the Table, How Leaders Can Overcome Conflict, Influence Others, and Raise Performance. So, George, in our last segment, um, we ended by talking about how leaders need to be caring in an authentic way and not manipulating and not can't look like they are um, these skills are window dressing, right? So you talk about that as um, the potential of, of creating trust. If they're acting in a caring, authentic way, there's capacity to create trust. Talk to us about why this is so important and how this can happen. Well, it starts in, in the way the brain works in that we are all fundamentally 
looking for pain and danger as a way to survive. And if you stay locked with your mind, imagine your mind's eye is having like a flashlight. And, and, you know, some people can always find the positive. Some people always find the negative. The brain is searching for that negative to survive. But once you feel safe, like a child who's around a parent or a caretaker or a teacher, and they feel safe, then they want to go out and explore. They don't want to stay with that secure base. The brain is hardwired to seek change, stimulation, curiosity. That's why we can honestly say people do not naturally resist change. They resist the pain of change or the fear of the unknown. So when a leader is there as a secure base and creates this environment of safety, then then people have these explosions of creativity, curiosity, because they're no longer defending or looking over their shoulder, hmm. when is the next hit going to come? And we've had a major loss of trust in organizations, massive. And the economic crisis has only made it worse because many, many people say, well, leaders really don't care about anything but driving numbers, 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 pure greed. And we have to come back to the leader as a secure base to create the environment for employees to be constantly learning, creating, being innovative to produce greater results. And, and the, the, the thing where me, many leaders get taken hostage is they're only interested in driving numbers, right. not in developing people or making people feel satisfied in their job, happy in their job, who then will become even more explosive in producing numbers. Right, right. Well, and the structures of our organizations, the, the economic structures, the way they're connected to stock prices, the way the um, board members are compensated, all of that um, is counter to what you're talking about, about developing people and building a secure base. Absolutely. And we have to come back to the organization as a community or the organization as a family. You know, family business was originally the foundation of what most businesses were about. And we've lost that family feeling, that community feeling in many organizations. Now, I should say there are great models of organizations who know how to do this, where the leader is a secure base, where leaders are expected to create that kind of environment. Uh, And as a result, creativity, innovation has exploded and they thrive rather than survive, uh, only trying to survive. Can you give us a couple of examples? Well, I think Google is a great example where, you know, they have this environment where people are uh, able to have fun, they're able to enjoy their work, and they're able to create that kind of environment where people are thriving and and want to grow. We see in Europe a number of organizations where you have this environment of people feeling trust, that they can go in and say something to their boss. They can engage in in good exchanges, in dialogue. I think uh, uh, the CEO of PepsiCo, Nindira uh, Noe, who very clearly represents this from her own life uh, as a woman leader, female leader, 
creating that kind of environment. She, she herself will, is, talks about the fact that if she's in a board meeting and one of her children or, or there's a problem somewhere, she will be humanized enough to step out and, and take that call. And at another point, she was propelled into this position because of her great job of negotiating around Quaker Oats and the failure to get it the first time and then coming through the second time, which brings us back to the whole question, who makes better leaders potentially, males or females? Because if the environment today is creating bonding, collaboration, the ability to to create these uh, units of, of protection and safety, then women do have a slight edge on that. Men do not tend to create the same kind of bonds that women do. Where women have to step up as leaders is more risk-taking and more assertiveness. They've got the foundation of building this bonding in general, but they have to learn how to take more risk and how to be more assertive. Males, on the other hand, have to learn how to create deeper and stronger bonds. And when you have that ability to assert, you have that ability to create bonding, then you have the foundation for really being able to play to win, as we would say, rather than playing not to lose. And the sad story is about 80% of people in organizations and in life are playing not to lose. They're not taking enough risks. They're not really out there on the edge looking for the benefits, but instead playing life from a defensive position. Well, and even the idea of playing to win, it, I mean, it seems like the model that most of us and most, most organizations hold for playing to win is the model of competition. Which is, which is actually, in many cases, playing uh, not to lose. I mean, uh, right. there's a form of competition that is good, but playing to win does not mean competition. I, I think, especially in America, we, we have this mindset that... Uh, uh, competition is is either destructive or it's uh, everything, mm. and there's some place in between. Mm-hmm. I and think so, playing to win really means I am able to look for opportunities, and I choose to go for those opportunities. And the great organizations who win are those who learn how to collaborate. I mean, there are examples within the states and also around the world of organizations who have part of the organization who are competing and another part who are collaborating. Mm-hmm. Malaysia Airlines, for example, Idris, Idris Jala, who I know quite well, the CEO there, former CEO, he's now joined the governor as, uh, government as a minister, um, he would talk about how do we compete for customers and how do we collaborate with competitive airlines on uh, maintenance and other things as a way to be uh, more effective in using resources. Mm-hmm. Well, that's an interesting um, concept is you are actually collaborating with your competitors um, and yet you still want, you're still trying to um, take something away from them or keep something from them as you're trying to collaborate, work together, and share. Um, that's, that's an interesting paradox to hold. Well, I think we, I, it, is a, it is a paradox. And by the way, great leaders can hold these paradoxes. Mm-hmm. Two truths or two opposite truths can uh, take place at the same time. Uh, I think we have a, a, the mistaken idea in the States that competition means I kill the enemy. Right. I beat the enemy. I destroy right, the enemy. Right. 
But good competition means I bring out the best in myself. And in that process, I bring out the best in you. So if you have two really, really talented tennis players, they're out there. Their goal is not to destroy the other. The goal is out there to do the best I can, to, to bring the best out of me. And here again, leaders have to be able to step beyond their own personal self-interest and develop other leaders. How do I help people be better than I am? How do, how do leaders and organizations build a legacy of other leaders so that the organization can thrive? In the same way, every teacher wants the student to be smarter or better than them. Every parent should want their child to be smarter and better than them. But we have many leaders who try to kill or destroy or, or block uh, the talent from being developed in, in younger leaders. Right, right. So, you know, uh, that makes me wonder about, um, you know, how kids are raised, and especially these days. Um, there's a lot of attention, at least in the States, a lot of attention focused at a very young age on, you know, there is no losing, everybody's good, and everybody gets a trophy, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, I wonder about that because, you know, they go in that, out into the real world and it's not like that. And, um, I mean, you know, what do you think about that? I think we have to teach kids to compete in the real world. There are winners and there are losers. That if you're helping a, a, a young child on a soccer field, you want them to recognize how to play very hard how to win and enjoy it, but also how to lose and be able to learn from that. And when they're kicking that soccer ball and they make a mistake, they have to know the truth. You can't just say, great job, when the ball missed the the goal by a mile. They have to know the truth about how they're doing and and great performance. And and if you've read Outliers or you know some of the the research from Erickson on how we develop talent, it develops depends on how we get good, tough feedback and enjoy that tough feedback in order to learn and be better. But the goal is not to be always the best, to allow others to shine as well and to graciously lose or to graciously allow someone to show and develop their talents. And by the way, the, the problem there often starts in sibling rivalry. You see the great leaders who came out of families where there were more than one child or several children, and they learned how to collaborate and live without strong sibling rivalry. That is a great talent for leadership. Mm, Interesting. Well, I love what you said. The good competition means I bring out the best in myself and bring out the best in you. I think that is a great mantra that we should be teaching in all organizations and um, teaching people how to enjoy the win and learn from the lose and see it as a game, you know, see it as a game that we can actually enjoy all the way through. You know, George, um, your work in the world is making a difference everywhere, and I know that um, people will want to know more, and they want to know more about how to reach you and what else you offer. How can they do that? Well, there are several ways. One is you can go on uh, www.hostageatthetable.com and 
there is uh, information about myself and applications of the book, which, by the way, is also in 15 languages and uh, also named Best Leadership Book in France for 2008 and Best Management Book in Germany uh, for 2008. And then there is also uh, the website of IMD, www.imd.ch. That's because it's in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Or you can go on Google and just put in my name, George Kohlreiser, K-O-H-L-R-I-E-S-E-R, and you can find ways to contact me. Uh, and my email addresses are on those websites. Wonderful. And if anybody is interested in workshops, and, and I, if I can mention uh, for just sure, a moment, yes, I will be in March doing two workshops at Esplan. One is a five-day workshop called Inspiring Leaders, and then also a weekend workshop, uh, Hasij at the Table, Living Your Dreams with Full Joy. Mm-hmm. And uh, one's a weekend, one's a five-day, and that's at the beginning of March. Wonderful. Thank you, George. It's been a pleasure having you with us today. And, uh, Cheryl, we'll have thank to have you so you much for the opportunity. Later. With pleasure. Yes. Okay. So remember, everyone, to think big because the world could be a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Esposito. Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and Leading Conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 